We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome to the Pat Mayo Experience, presented by DraftKings 2021 Tournament of Champions. DraftKings picks and preview. If you out there have not gotten in the draw for a free entry into the massive one and done, the Fantasy Golf Championships, you should probably get on that right now. What you have to do is there's a bunch of ways you can do it. And if you do more than one way, you get more than one entry into the draw. What you do, you see, is smash the like button to the video in the comment section. Tell me your favorite player below $7,000 at the Tournament of Champions this week on DraftKings. But also, subscribe to Mayo Media Network. If you are not subscribed, you are not in the draw. It takes like three seconds. I suggest you go do that right now, okay? Also, if you're listening to the audio version of this show, or even if you're not listening to the audio version of this show, go over to Apple Pod. Podcast, leave a five-star review, something you enjoy about the show, I suppose, and your Twitter handle or your email address so I know how to contact you in case you end up winning. So those are the two main ways that you do it. Also, if you see a post for any of my golf content on the social medias, please give it a retweet. You don't need to tell me about it. I mean, if you subscribe to Mayo Media Network on YouTube, you know, tweet at me, be like, hey, I did it, and then I'll know that you did it and you're in the draw. But if you just retweet it, you don't need to tell me that you retweeted it. I can see that you retweeted it. So uh, that's another way that you can get into the draw. I got two entries to give away, maybe a third. We'll see about that, but at least two, and I'll probably be awarding them on Wednesday morning because, and don't take this as an excuse not to go sign up for the one and done. It's at fantasygolfchampionships.com. Spots are running dry. If you don't do it today or by tomorrow morning, it's most likely going to be full and you're going to miss out. And then we're going to be doing our one and done segments. You're going to be like, ah, I wanted to play in one and done. I just did not sign up. Although you knew about it. Come on, give your head a shake fantasygolfchampionships.com, 100 bucks to play for the year. That's like three bucks a week. Uh, highly suggest you do it. $30,000 for first place, $300,000 guaranteed in the prize pool. While you're already on your phone or on your computer, you might as well join the Pat Mayo Experience DraftKings Listeners League as well. Only 1,500 spots this week, starting small. I'm sure it'll get larger by the Sony Open. Uh, $15 to play, three max entry. No rake, as always, the most popular and best tournament on DraftKings. You can compete against me in that as well. And all the stats you're going to find on the show today, the stats, the tools, the most customizable stat engine on Ziplanet, fantasynational.com. Go to fantasynational.com slash mayo. Get yourself 20% off. The annual is the best deal that you can get. But of course, there's a weekly, there's a monthly if you just want to try it out. So fantasynational.com slash mayo, full access to anyone at any level who gets in. Only one, one plan to go around in terms of actual access, but there are three different types that you can have. Like I said, the weekly, the monthly, and the yearly uh, that you can get in on. Ben Raza from awesomeo.com also has a free giveaway to the one and done contest. He's just forgotten about it. And by the time he gives it out, the contest is going to be full. It's true. Uh, all of the things you just said are very accurate. 
We're going to do something about that though. Golf is back. I'm feeling good. I've been in, you got to forgive me. I've been in college football bowl season, the NFL. So now it's time to shift back uh, to, to golf season. I'm ready to go. I got to ask you, I had, I was speaking to Davis about this on one of our shows over the holidays. I don't quite understand the fandom of like specific teams in college football. If you didn't go to that school, he kind of explained it to me a little bit, but What's up with people being like fans of like conferences? Like, oh man, my conference is better than your conference. That is just ludicrous. So I ne- I mean, I'm the wrong person to ask. I don't root for practically any team at any level, but I always wonder about that because it's like, those are your biggest rivals. But then when you're out, do you root for like, obviously you've got like Michigan, like does Michigan root for Ohio State against Alabama? They hate Ohio State. I don't know exactly how that works. It was just very confusing to me. And I see it crop up every single bowl season where it's like, ah, I love UCLA. The Pac-10 went four and one best of all the conferences. Like, okay, great. How'd your team do? Yeah, well, like I said, I don't have teams. UMass, for obvious reasons, uh, they didn't make a bowl because they only scored 12 points this football season. So that's that's really not going to get it done. Are, are you serious? They scored 12 uh, points? It's dead, deadly accurate. One th- They kept it consistent, though. Yeah, one touchdown, one field goal, one safety. Uh, that was good for this year. So next year, I'm looking for a couple touchdowns on the year. But that That's an incredible effort by UMass. Are they still in the ACC? Yeah, bad. The UMass has been relegated. I think they're independent. They were in the MAC and then they just deleted. They're in the A10 for basketball, but that doesn't count for football, unfortunately. No, I was thinking UConn for the ACC. Yeah, they're around. They're also very bad uh, in the Big East. But yeah, it's it's tough times around Amherst these days. All right, let's talk golf. We're in Hawaii. Let's it's it. it's Kapalua. DraftKings pricing is out. It is a smaller-ish tournament, obviously, but it's bigger than most of the tournament of champions. There's 42 players in the field. There is no cut. There's some expensive players. There's some cheap players, like there is every single week. I just enjoy that there's more than, like, 25 people in the field. 42 is, like, a decent amount where we can create some different lineups going around. Again, if you want to use the lineup generator after making your picks up on FantasyNational.com, do the slash mail. Get yourself the 20% off. Most expensive player in the field is... You know, a guy who's won this tournament multiple times, the number one player in the world, Dustin Johnson. He's 11,000. JT's 10-7. Rom is 10-4. Bryson, 10-2. And Xander Shoffley, who has a win and a runner-up finish last year, is an even $10,000. I love Justin Thomas. I don't think uh, he's probably going to be the most popular guy. And maybe if you're playing some game theory, Ben, that you don't use Justin Thomas. But I found in the WGC's and these smaller field tournaments that I'm not too concerned about ownership at the top. If I end up with the most popular guy, well, he's the guy I think is going to win, so I'm probably going to need him if he ends up winning the tournament. Yeah, I'm with you. Listen, Justin Thomas, even though we rarely talk about floors uh, in golf because it's just not that kind of sport, it just seems when you give him 72 holes, even when he doesn't have it, he keeps you in it, and it sets it up where – with raw points, he can still get you there. Like you said, you're not going to find, it's not like, oh, Rom's going to be 4% and JT's 30%. Like that's just not going to happen. All these guys are going to carry ownership. He can destroy this course. He has done that. Uh, I'm with you. I'll figure out other ways to leverage. Justin Thomas is my favorite at the top. So in terms of ownership right now, it's still very early on a Tuesday afternoon as we record this. It looks like it's going to go Thomas, DJ, Xander, Bryson, Rom. After Justin Thomas, I prefer Bryson the best. I'm kind of in that in that ballpark. I'm going to do, I prefer Rom. I think people, and we don't know. I guess the equipment change scares some people, but to me, uh, I took him first in our golf draft, so I have to back him. <laughs> I think that's the rule. So I, I, I don't mind Rom, especially if he's going to be the lowest owned of the five. Yeah, with John Rom, like, yes, there is a, I, I don't know how much this stuff affects people. Remember when Justin Rose switched over to Homa or Hama or whatever the hell it was called for the first time, and he played career builder, and he was like, eh, okay, it was his first start of the year. And then no one used him at Torrey Pines, and then he won Torrey Pines, but oh no, new clubs. Couldn't imagine that could happen. Yeah, I mean, I, that that's kind of stuff I have zero idea how to quantify, so I just don't care. And I think people over-quantify it, so it swings ownership more than it should. It's not to say that he couldn't struggle or just not play well, and it has nothing to do with the clubs. But uh, to me, Rom is someone that I'll consider. Obviously, 
we're talking about these five there are no bad choices no and you just kind of have to get lucky that your best player ends up doing really well can you envision a scenario where you just end up building a really balanced lineup and don't use any of these five guys basically start your team with webb simpson at 9400 bucks well, I can't envision that uh, because I don't do that. But but starting with Reed is something I, I easily could do. Um, one of you mentioned this is kind of between tournament of champions and like a WGC in terms of number of players. So we have to really be cognizant of how can we be different. One of the ways to do that is not take any any of the big five, if you want to call them that. If you do that, you've eliminated a a massive percentage of the field. You also could be destroyed if one of them wins. Then you're completely dead. And looking at it right now, Dustin Johnson uh, has finished inside the top 10 in nine consecutive appearances at this event. Justin Thomas has a win, a third, a 22nd, and a win in the past four years. Rom has never finished outside the 10, full stop, in any of his three appearances. Bryson's like the only one who's been, quote-unquote, bad at this tournament with the 7th and 26th, but he's very clearly a different player right now. And Xander's gone... 22nd in his first appearance, then first, then second. So one of these guys is going to be up there. Probably three of them are going to be up there. So do you think it's more likely that the winning lineup would have two of these guys in them versus none of these guys in them? Yes, because for me, the problem is if you take none of them, you need multiple guys in the nines to suck up all the placement points. Because if some rando wins like JT or Rom or DJ coming in like fourth is still going to be what you probably wanted just because of the salary. Uh, so unless it's like Reed and Hovland going one, two, it's going to be really hard to box these type of guys out. So Justin Thomas, Bryson for me, although I'm not completely sold on Bryson as my number two, I might switch Rom into that spot. I actually do want to see how that ownership trends. That is a potential spot where I could make a quick ownership flip onto Rom because right now looking at it, and again, it's still very early. I did have him projected to be the fifth of five amongst ownership of these guys. But the calculated ownership we have is around 18% versus Bryson's 19%. But if you actually look at the actual lineups that have been made so far by users on Fantasy, to see national rom is only appearing in 10 percent of them versus the other guys who are up around 20 percent. so it's going to be one of those scenarios where either people see that and everyone gloms onto rom and his ownership ends up way higher than everyone or people are just like he's five of five for me like he's just he's great he's just my least favorite of the bunch and i don't think that there's that big of a skill gap or even performance gap between any of these guys no not at all and you got to find like i said small edges we just don't know. And that that's fine for me to, I'm very comfortable going to Rom. There is a scenario of course, where everybody thinks that and the pendulum swings and then uh, he's not the, the lowest owned of them. But again, when with these guys, the honest truth is if any of them brings close to their a game, they'll probably win. And there's really hard to determine who will do that. 9K range kicks off with Patrick Cantlay at $9,800. Reed, Webb, Hovland, Matsuyama at $9,000. My early leans in this area are Webb Simpson and Hideki Matsuyama. Matsuyama's been tremendous at this course in his career. Never finished worse than fifth. Actually, I don't think he's finished worse than fourth. I think it's a second, a third, and a fourth. And he was very good last season. He just didn't win. It was was like the Bush League version of Rory's season. (laughs) Yeah, right in my wheelhouse. No, Decky's been... Listen, he's been incredibly consistent. He hasn't been here for a couple of years for obvious reasons because he hasn't broken through lately. Uh, but he has everything you want. Obviously, the wild card for him is at a course like this where you need to score. Can he make just a couple? Uh, he's going to have to make some birdie putts because everyone's going to have them. Can't just be super crisp. Uh, he's got to go low. There's no way that you can keep up if you don't make putts. Of all of these guys, it's nothing against Cantley, and I think that a lot of people feel this way, but where he is the highest-priced 9K guy, I would think that a lot of people will construct their lineups to find the $200 to get up to Xander instead, and that might leave him in a dead spot. He's definitely going to be in a dead spot. He's also in the awkward. He's obviously the toughest, quote-unquote, second man in. Most people would try to double up to 10K+. plus. And he's an awkward start. Like if you start with Cantley, you're doing what we just talked about. So I don't know exactly what type of lineup construction wants to go to Cantley. And then honestly, he hasn't been, I mean, he's been fine, but it wasn't a vintage season from him. So he is in a dead range. It's kind of interesting. I lean to Reed. I like that Reed and Hovland played a little bit. They went to Europe uh, and I just kind of trust those guys a little more. I don't mind Reed and Hovland. Obviously, Reed tends to do really well here. He lost in the playoff a year ago, and we had the monies on him, but he also gained 10 strokes putting. 
last year. And that is that's what he does. Very, uh, it is what he does, but that's just very unlikely to repeat itself if you're looking for why he ends up doing well with this tournament. The rest of his game isn't quite on the level of all of these guys that he's around. I like Webb solely because this becomes a wedge fest at certain points where he said everyone's going to have these birdie putts that if you're going to ask me, like, hey, we're going to line up everyone and ask them to make 10-foot birdie putts, of all of these top guys, I would put my money on Webb making the most of them. Yeah, I mean, when you take out the first shot, which this course, unless you're, I mean, Spieth isn't here, obviously, but like, unless <laughs> but, you have but, a real but, problem. But Spieth has one here. Yeah, it just shows how easy the fairways are to hit. And even if for some reason you miss, uh, you can easily recover. So when you get rid of that, Webb with every other shot is, I mean, you could argue he's the best because his irons, his wedges, his putting, Bermuda, no, no faults there. Um, so I, I get going to Webb. He's obviously a different type of player. It's not going to overpower the course, but that could still be effective. He reminds me there's certain types of players that have done well here historically. Maybe that's all changed since everyone at the top is a bomber now. Uh, although Justin Thomas isn't truly a bomber. He's just very good all around and probably the best iron player on earth. Uh, that tends to help in these situations. Mm. But you've seen Spieth win here. You've seen Reed win here. You've seen Steve Stricker win here. Uh, Jonathan Bird has won here before. Like There is that type of short-hitting player. Basically, the same guys, the same short-hitters that can win at the Masters can also win here. And I would say that Webb Simpson is a guy that could potentially win the Masters. He's probably not going to win the Masters, but he has enough game to do it. Yeah, there's something to that. They, you know, I've read a little about the course and it's got the slopes and whatnot. You have to be a little crafty here and there. Um, and listen, most of these guys, especially at the top, they're here because they've won. Uh, they're damn good players. They can get it done. This isn't a course that I think really... It's always nice to be aggressive and be longer off the tee, but it's not going to be a huge hindrance if you do it a different way. 8Ks, I guess we're just going to skip over Hovland like we did on our very last show of the season where at the end we were like, hey, we didn't even talk about Hovland. It means he's probably going to yep. win. And then he won. <laughs> it's deadly accurate. Yeah, I'm I'm going to make it a priority to not just completely overlook him here. He's another one I do worry just with the putter. I don't think it's nearly up to speed, but you know he's just so dangerous. And I, I tend to like him when I think about him more at, at a little tougher tracks, to be honest. I think he might thrive there, but... He still has massive firepower. Obviously, the par five should be no issue for him. I would prefer him next week at Sony. I think that lines up really well. Obviously, winning Mayakoba in Sony is something that people do all the time. So that yeah. would be a feather in a cap for him. And your boy, Aaron Wise. He, he almost got us to the promised land, Ben. Almost. That, yeah, that hurt. It was close. Very, very close. Uh, but no, he's. I expect a big, a big year from Wise. The, the issue with Hovland in this tournament, he just feels overpriced to me. He is a little overpriced, but he, with something like this, where I'm going to be leaving money on the table and be doing awkward things, I kind of like to target guys that don't make sense price wise because it's high variance and ownership. There's not that many ways to do it differently, especially with the top end. So I'm not really worried about that, but I do agree. I thought he would fall more with Scheffler, Berger, uh, English price range. And even Morikawa to that point where, yes, he's coming mm -hmm. off this win, but Morikawa won two events last year, including a major. So it feels like that should go a bit of a long way. The 8Ks kicks off with Fino. No, he did not win last year, but he is here anyway. He's 8900 bucks. Morikawa, English Burger, Scheffler, Cam Smith, Joaquin Neiman, Sungjae, Adam Scott, and Abraham Answer. To me, I said it in the betting market. I said it on the betting show on Monday. You can go back and check out that. And the golf drafts that Ben alluded to, you can find in the description of this video. Or just find it on the Pat Mayo Experience feed or up on Mayo Media Network. We did it in two parts. It was a lot of fun. Adam Scott just seems ridiculously underpriced for this tournament. Good. Another pick of my team. I hope you're right. Um, I was worried that, you know, he, he's pretty selective, but I, I agree. Now I'm saying the same thing over and over. He's another one kind of prefer him at tougher courses where he doesn't need to make as many, but when you're talking about irons, a uh, guy can get dangerously hot. 8,100 is very, very reasonable. I don't mind him. And then you've got, you know, Neiman guys like that, that we know can score. Uh, there's a lot, a lot to talk about in this 8k range. Uh, the stars next to the players that I've identified that I like right now, Scheffler, Neiman, and Scott would be my preference. Although almost on the same sort of idea about Bermuda with Webb Simpson, Bermuda with Sungjae usually goes hand in hand. Yeah, we saw him. I mean, he was playing as good as anyone 
during the Florida swing. Sanjay can do it all. No real weakness to the game. The opposite is true with Tony Fino. Bermuda and Tony Fino don't mix. Do you do you not like him, or are you just kind of indifferent? You'd be shocked at how often I don't play Tony Fino, and, and yet, I should because he's an ex- he he is an excellent DraftKings player and just a terrible bet. He, he's one of those guys. That's the thing with him at at this price. Like you start to immediately get into uh, can he and he should he just scores so much and with forty two players. I was looking at this before the show. If you come in dead last, you get one placement point. If you come in 10th, you get seven. That's two birdies. Like, it really doesn't matter unless you're in contention what you do as long as you score. And I think Tony can obviously get in contention, but he's so live to outscore his placement points. You just have that second out even if he doesn't play well. How do you feel about the Harris English and Daniel Burgers here? Not particularly good uh but it's more just a product that you can't play everyone i'm not gonna throw i always throw shade at these guys but for me burger has a has a course type it's saint jude style not this um so i just i don't love it of course they could play well but i would rather have finau scheffler neiman sunjay scott that's almost the entire range i just sorted by the greens at kapalua are like hilariously slow because just the time of year that it is so they're really slow bermuda green so i just put on the filter on fantasy national for velcro which is what these courses are listed as and average speed so just put those two because there's very few courses that actually have as greens as slow as here so take the slowest ones in the next level up and see who the best putters are shockingly enough brian gay is number one because i think he's going to be number one in almost every putting category but after that it goes webb sungjay michael thompson kevin kisner Harris English, Daniel Berger, Cantley Reed, Leishman would be your top 10 on slow surfaces. Uh, and if we reverse that and look who the worst guys are, Swafford, Neiman, Palmer, Finau, Hideki, Robert Streb, Martin Laird, Carlos Ortiz, Big Dick, Vic. With only 42 players, like you said, you can't play everyone. I think you need to look for like little bits of edge in order to trim down the people in your player pool. Now, something like Hideki, obviously he's shown he can do it here in the past. I don't know if he can still do it. And maybe sometimes his Tita Green is just so good it overcomes all the stuff. Neiman was finished inside the top five in his first go around last year. But I think looking at something like this might be the way that I can kind of try to parse some of the stuff out. Yeah, I mean, you also want to separate it to, like, Brian Gay is first. That doesn't mean that he loves these type of greens, per se. It means he's a phenomenal putter. And, like, Decky being towards the bottom, he's <laughs> towards the bottom basically no matter what you splice with putting splits. So it comes partly baked in a little bit. I, I will say this is where I go to my correlated lineups. I will definitely have some teams that are predominantly guys that like slow greens. Uh, then I'll have teams that don't even consider that because I do think there's a slightly higher chance if guys like Kisner uh, and I guess you could put Brian Gay in there play well, Webb is more likely to play well than someone like Decky or, or one of those guys. Cam Smith? I don't know, man. I mean, he was playing so well. This in theory is probably a pretty good spot. He won. Yeah, he won Sony last year. Eh, I just wonder exactly. I'll punt it and say ownership for me will probably tell the tale if he's really low owned i'll consider it if he's with everyone else i'll just take sanja just looking at it right now neiman projects to be the highest owned of this bunch along with finau and Berger. smith around 16 percent sungjay around 15 percent the the there's no one really in this range it's because you have such a condensed style here scheffler is actually coming at the lowest owned at 13 percent yeah, so that to me, obviously, these are negligible. Um, it's kind of just best available. And for me, Sanjay, I like Finau, um, not not Cam Smith. Uh, I'll, I'll pass on that. Uh, as it pertains to ownership for this event, like you said, you can find little details, but it's not so pronounced that it's going to make that much of a difference. Basically, from $7,500 and up, everyone's, everyone and everyone in their like similar price range are all about the same, at least the way that it's kind of playing out at the moment. So just pick the guys that you like. I think it's more important to have an ownership play from the lower end at a tournament like this than the higher end, because the higher end is not really going to do you much good. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I mean, you're not you're just not going to find anyone who is mispriced to the extent that there will be real leverage with the ownership. There could be some combinations when you're talking about correlation and whatnot, but 
I'm with you. I wouldn't worry about that too much. Answer is also $8,000. He just seems... And it's shitty because, like, I don't want to say he's overmatched in this field. Like, he just had a nice run out of Gusty. He's a good player. But versus these other names, I just couldn't imagine myself clicking on answer here. No, me neither. He's fine. He's a good player. But I don't know. I just, for me, the, the game, he doesn't do anything that I can really look to. He's kind of just all around pretty good. Uh, for me, I'd rather have someone like the guy right below him in champ who I know at least he, he does one thing extraordinary and I can kind of lean on that. So answer's a good player. Another guy I prefer at other courses than something like this. So in the seven Ks, you mentioned champ because of the prodigious driving distance that he comes along with. The only player that I've identified so far that I am going to be playing in the seven Ks is my guy, Mark Leishman. That's right. Oh yeah, absolutely. Mark Le- by the way, you must love my team. He's another uh draft pick of mine so i really hope that you win all the money on DraftKings this week well you won last year i gotta be tailing your picks well let's hope that this works out because i like leishman as well it's pretty easy case to make if he found something at augusta that was his best form since the restart by far it was the only time he did anything if we wait and he plays well here the price and the ownership is going to adjust quickly and we lose the value. If we're wrong, then we we tried and we missed. But the time to buy on him is right now. Obviously, he's got some experience here inside the top 10. His last couple starts in recent years, I'll buy low. He wouldn't be 7,400 if he had done anything in the restart. Just looking at the John Deere Classic, a uh, place where Spieth has won in the past, Steve Stricker, obviously, Zach Johnson, all guys that have performed pretty well here. Uh, and just looking at the historic results, strokes gained total from the John Deere Classic of players in this field. And there's a lot of very good players who've never played that scrub event. But Morikawa, JT, John Rahm, Neiman, and Andrew Landry would be your top five. Then it's Berger. And then Bryson, who won it, the John Deere Classic. He had one really good tournament, one really bad tournament over the course of his career. I just want to throw that out there. I don't know if that's going to influence my decision. Patrick, Patrick Rogers, but he's not here. Yeah, him and Maverick. Yeah, maybe someday, maybe in 2049, Patrick Rogers can sneak his way in with a Brian Gay-esque win. Yeah, that would be uh, yours to hope in. Um, and then, see, this is where, though, I, you're not going to find guys that are as well-rounded. To me, this is where you go to skill sets. You've got, like, the Kisners of the world. You've got Billy Ho. Then you've got, like, Sergio, who's the complete opposite of that. Great driver of the ball, worst putter. I've ever seen. I don't think Velcro can save him, but, um, you know, you, you still have some skill sets here that you can look to. Kokrak is kind of interesting. I don't know what he'll do around the green. Obviously, he cooled off, but he is here, which is a change. Uh, never gets here. No, and he actually got here. He would have gotten here anyway, but then he ended up getting the win to ensure his spot because he did make the Tour Championship, which got him into Augusta anyway. But he won one of those, like, good tournaments. CJ. Was it the CJ Cup? Cup? Or Zozo. It's one of... It was one of those two. I don't know. But he won one yeah. of them. So congratulations. Yeah, after. I'm, pr- I'm pretty confident that he won one of those two. I, 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 just, I could just look. Um, I, nothing burned me worse ever. Yes, yeah, CJ Cup. I think one of my most devastating gambling losses on golf of all time was Kokrak at Valspar like three years ago. He had it wrapped up. And it was the, the year after Casey had won the first time. You're like, he's going up against Paul Casey in the final round. like He should be able to beat Paul Casey here. And all he had to do was get it up and down from the fringe on the 72nd hole, and he just went full Jason Kokrak and lost. Like, it was just like, come on, so, man. What are we doing here? That That's <laughs> ironic in a way because I distinctly remember that I had a Louis outright that week. He was in the um, mix too. So was Bubba, weirdly he, enough. He was, Louis was definitely in the mix. That was also the week I believe Kokrak got a hole in one. Um, and... Yeah, that was a painful one. I did not want Paul Casey to win. I wanted Oost to win, and I think he came in, like, the top five as well. So sick. Ugh. Why are you bringing up these memories? Woosty, wise, this is very painful. Oh, we we got to work through it here. It's a brand new year. Nothing bad can happen in 2021. I've been told that by the internet. Yeah, free roll. Great year. <laughs> so below Leishman. So he's at $7,400. Munoz is right above him as well. I like Munoz. I mean, you can just use Mo- Munoz and Lonto. You can use essentially every week, and they're good. Yeah, good score. Bermuda, solid player. Munoz priced appropriately. Uh, No problem with him. But below that level, I think this is where you start getting into, you don't want to use like absolute duds, obviously, but you probably do want to fade some ownership. So what I'm seeing right now is 
Lonto being one of the most popular players of any player, that's good enough reason for me to fade him. Although he is fitting the Rick Gaiman trend of anytime Lonto is below $7,000 that you just automatically use him and he's great. But so I'm going to have to fade that narrative. And Martin Laird, for whatever reason people are using. Yeah, I don't... uh... I don't really get that. That's interesting. I I see why people are going to Lanto. Um, I will go elsewhere. I do have one guy in the sixes who I don't think will be remotely popular. Obviously, he's going to incur some risk. You mentioned kind of some guys earlier that do it a little atypical. To me, Kevin Na could belong in a list like that. I, so the two that I had identified were Kevin Knott, because I use Kevin Knott every single week anyway, so might as well keep rolling it. Uh, and Andrew Landry was the other one. Uh, he's just so good with his wedges. Uh, I know, like, Brian Gay is good with his wedges, but, like, Andrew Landry can be a good player. He just came at fourth at the RSM as well. I got to find the because I p- believe I bet Kevin Knott last year at this event, and it was a two years ago. He didn't win. No, he did not win. No, that's Kevin Kisner. I'm looking at. Where's Kevin Nod? Like, there's one, like, I, I can just remember it. It was, yeah, last year. Kevin Nod lost 7.7 strokes off the tee last year and lost six strokes putting. Came last. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, not good. So he's got nowhere to go but up. But, I mean, listen, you're going to have to do something here. Kevin Nod, at least, I can look at his game. And when he's on, uh, and it's kind of few but far between, but when he's on, he's unstoppable, incredible player, can make putts. Uh, You don't get it too often, but he just has a lot of, in terms of placement points, the equity to grab top 10, top five, I think is higher than the guys around him who maybe won't come in dead last. When Kevin Nott doesn't have it, he withdraws. He comes way to the bottom. I'm willing to take that gamble for some possible upside. Yeah, is it too much of a gamble to use now in a tournament like this where there's no cut and you need all four rounds from your players? Yeah, I mean, that that honestly does scare me a little bit because, I mean, it's always his back, obviously. If you get, um, you know, if you get a Jason Day withdraw style, you're done. But at the same time, you again, you have to do something. And I'd rather go to him than, you mentioned the very bottom or guys who have won and done literally nothing else. I'm not sure I would, I would go to them. Yeah. Well, non Landry, like I said, would be the two. And the main reason is I really identified hundred to 125 yards is likely the key range on proximity this week. Just so many of the second shots because of the length of the holes and forced layups are going to come from that range. Not for everyone. Of course, like Dustin's probably going to be hitting it from like 92 or something like that, but just in general, that range in this field over the past 50 rounds overall, not as third Landry is fourth. So if they can continue that, I know Na can make his putts. And if he starts making his putts, he's going to make them all because that's what he does. And he pops in these like tough tournaments. I don't need him to win. I need him to come ninth or something. That's what I'm saying. Like, And, and to me, he's got more equity to do that. You're incurring extra risk, but it's better. How did Richie Marinsky get in here? He, he, he must have made the tour championship. No, he won. He, he won the tournament before the PGA championship, the Stableford score, when we all had Matias Schwab. Um. Okay. Barracuda? Barracuda. Yeah, the, the, what should be the DraftKings Open. Yeah, I will continue to make that pitch to DraftKings and to the people and to the PGA Tour every time that it is brought up. Thank you for reminding me. I got you. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so good. He he did that. Unless they go to that scoring here, though, I'm not going to play Richie Rurinsky. I'm going to shrink down my custom model um, to... Let's say the past 12 rounds, which probably goes back to like the end of October, just because there's not that many weighted rounds to go around and just go down to see if anyone, Laird is actually the only one who pops because I believe that, well, he was just so good at Shriners. Uh, He was actually first in approach over the past 12 rounds that all these guys have played. Ortiz and Palmer also kind of pop as well. Do you bank on someone stupid like Mackenzie Hughes and be like, oh yeah, he's going to gain 38 strokes putting. So he's going to win. I mean, again, I do believe that I just said this about champ. I would rather down here have a guy who does one thing, potentially the best in the field. Like if you told me who's most likely to lead in strokes gained off the tee, if if we found out it was champ, you wouldn't be stunned. If you found out that Mackenzie Hughes led in strokes gained putting or strokes gained around the green for the week, I wouldn't be stunned. Uh, I like that concept of targeting a guy who may not have a well-rounded game, but he can do one thing at an elite level. So who from this field are you looking at next week to win the Sony Open? Yeah, so I mean, 
My first question with that is, do you put a ton of or any stock into you want guys from this field having played yes. at Sony or I, you? I yeah. do. I put a substantial amount of weight to. I don't. I think Cameron Smith did not play in this tournament last year, but I think it's something like eight of the past nine winners have all played in this tournament the week before. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it makes it, and it, that actually makes a lot of intuitive sense to me too. Like, oh, this is the first start for these guys this week. Everyone else who obviously aren't good enough to be in this field so they're lesser players to begin with also don't have a full tournament of reps to have in so you're going to be a little bit rustier coming out of the gate it would make a lot of sense that the better players who are warmed up would win the next week no doubt i mean someone i'm interested to see what i don't know if i'll get to kisner this week but he's someone that i've always kind of had my eye on at a place like sony um that type of player, I, I think, could be interesting. So, there's a handful of guys. Morikawa, maybe. Um, oh, Morikawa, Morikawa broke my heart because he was my one and done, and I bet him to win Sony last year, and he was in it until the fourth round. He was a disaster. But there was also a really popular head-to-head last year that was Morikawa v. Hideki at the Sony Open. And Morikawa, at one point, was beating him by 13 shots and was so bad on Sunday, he lost to Hideki on the last hole after missing a nine-inch putt. I am, like, almost certain that I had Hideki in that head-to-head. So it wasn't all... See, are you saying I'm bringing up, oh, Louis, he blew it. Oh, Kokrak, he blew it. Oh, Aaron Wise, he blew it. Now I'm I'm giving you, like, the the best turn of events that ever could have happened in 2020. Yeah, I forgot. I definitely wrote that up over at Awesome and I just remember saying I'm going to have to, you know, change my name uh, after that start, but it's never over. Hideki uh, rallied there. I forgot whatever more has killed me enough i I, that's not even going to get me close to even on that guy so um yeah sony it it will be i will say this people tend to and overreact i want my guys to have played the tournament of champions but i won't really care how they play if that makes sense it is that's how i hit a big kuchar ticket there two years ago i believe he was 40 to 1 in that field back when kuchar was still pretty good uh he was my most profitable player that season we hit him at at mayakoba then hit him back to back at the Sony Open, but he played Tournament of Champions and just really didn't putt all that well. Like, he, he was fine with his irons, fine driving, like, not good by any means, but he lost, like, seven strokes putting or something stupid like that. And then they just priced him way down at the Sony. It's like, he's, he's probably the best player here. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I obviously, I don't want my guy to be dead last, but if one of these guys, particularly a good putter, you know, say, like, Webb or something like that, if he's just average on the greens, he comes in, like, 16th, that is a buy spot for me. You could take advantage of it. And then on the flip side, someone who puts the lights out this week uh, probably be overinflated in the market. Something like, I think it was Patrick. I can't remember if Patrick Reed played there last year or not, but he would have been like an auto fade at Sony just because of how many strokes he had gained putting the week before. Let's see. Sony. Yeah, he missed the cut at Sony last year. Because he went from gaining 10 strokes putting to losing two over the course of the first two rounds and just missed the cut. Yeah, I mean, anytime I always say that, like when you really step back and think about it, if you gain like 10 strokes putting and you win an event, what does that really tell? Like you should win. That doesn't really do anything in my mind. It doesn't make you even remotely likely to be more likely to win in the coming events. So uh, little things like that make the difference, especially early in a golf season. And, and I think, too, that it applies to almost every single statistical category. And I, I fall victim to this more than anyone. It's like, oh, this guy gained nine strokes on approach last week. Well, more than likely, he's not going to gain nine strokes next week. <laughs> you also have to keep in mind who it is. Some guys are more likely to do. But if it's a total outlier, I mean, that's really where it it can get you know, tenuous. So, um, and then there are, we've talked a lot about this. I think that there is something to some guys are naturally erratic, particularly putting where they're more likely to gain or lose five plus strokes. And then other guys, they're going to gain or lose only a couple strokes. You can embrace that and know that you're probably going to get a volatile performance that can make or break you. And that can be useful. So I want to do a new part of the show to really help people out here. Let's let's call it the core three. Oh, boy. We'll call it a three-pack. The three players that if you had to, let's say, play three lineups. We'll, we'll gear this towards the Pat Mayo Experience Open. That if there's three players you had to build your lineups around this week, which three players do you think they would be? Because for me, it's going to be Justin Thomas. It's going to be Adam Scott. And it's probably going to be Mark Leishman. 
I, I mean, that's very similar. Uh, I'll change it up a little because I, I, I like those picks. I'm going to say JT because I really do believe um, he's going to at least set the table for your other five. I'll go Tony Finau um, for my second. And then I, I think the, I want to be clear. Obviously, I'm not recommending doing this, but if you really need to leverage down low, I think that you can roll the dice with Kevin Na in the sixes. That's going to be not something you would do on all three, but that's a way to be unique if you have a very vanilla build around him. Nah, like I said, Nah and Landry, I think would be the two. Like if you need to jam in DJ and Dustin, then Landry would be the guy that I would go to at the very bottom. You, Yeah, to me, you need a reason to do it. That's always what I say when people ask me, like, can I play this jackass guy? It's like, well, of course you could, but you better have a reason for doing it. If If it unlocks DJ and JT and the rest of your lineup looks good, well, that's a reason to do it. If it if it gets you Harris English, I don't I don't think that's a reason to do it. Watch well, I mean Harris English, winner of win. winner of Mayakoba in the past, has performed very well at Sony Open in his career. This is a Hawaii course. Like maybe we shouldn't be discrediting Harris English. And it'd be just it'd be due for him because he finally got his win at the end of the year at the QBC shootout, the team event, which would not have gotten him into this tournament. So it's not a real win. It doesn't help him in the world rankings or the FedEx Cup or the money list or anything like that. But because he made the tour championship, he gets into this event. Wouldn't it just be right that he would win? I mean, it would be it would close the door on 2021 being a good year immediately. I'll say that much. Um, but, you know, again, it's a product of the price range. Harris English is a good player. He's obviously found something uh, over a pretty substantial time period. To me, though, give me two hundred dollars for Finau. Give me a discount to Sunjay or Neiman. No problem. We gotta see. Uh, that's why people are playing Merton Laird. That makes more sense. He came second here in 2012. I couldn't figure uh, out why well, everyone was on Martin Laird. Once a decade. Yeah, well, he only gets in once a decade, so. Yeah, he, no, he has to make it count, so. Uh, the last um, time Harris English was here, he came 11th and lost three strokes putting that week. That was in 2014. One of the things I do like to do to, like, people, it's hard to know whether your model is right or your model is wrong. You can do, like, re- the regression model and try to find out the stats that make the most sense, but then you end up with things like, I don't know, you know, scrambling percentage, which I don't think is a very predictive stat whatsoever. It's more of a storytelling stat. It's a lot like putting in that way. Like if someone putts well during a week, like you mentioned, that they're going to have a good week. It just, does that mean they're going to putt well the next week? Absolutely not. Like there's no real merit to it whatsoever. And I think that because putting is a part of scrambling, that that would go into it. The fact that you had to scramble, like you are like, oh yeah, he was like 12 of 12 in scrambling. It's like, well, he's scrambling a lot, isn't he? Like that's not good news. He just tended to get lucky to get himself out of all the danger. Like three putt avoidance in a way. I think it can tell you some things like, oh, is this guy a good putter or is this guy a bad putter? But not all greens are exactly the same. Like three putt avoidance at the three putt percentage at Kapalua is much higher than it is at somewhere like Pebble Beach because the greens at Pebble Beach are like the size of this table and the ones at Kapalua are basically the size of eight helicopter pads all put into one. That There's not a lot of context to a lot of this stuff. So one thing I actually like to do on Fantasy National when I build a model to see if I think it's relatively within the realm. I have enough data now over the past few years, and I always make notes next to the model for that specific tournament of whether it worked or it didn't work. And maybe it worked because it was lucky and they had no correlation to what I was looking at anyway. It just ended up on the right guy. So over the past three and a half years that I've been using this, hey, how many years did it actually work? How many years didn't it work? Do I need to go reassess it? But I think that you can see somewhat tested there's the time machine feature on fantasy national where you can go back and basically run the same model again and look at last year uh, and all the stats coming in to see how those people actually performed but i think if you just isolate by the course itself run the modeling and then see who pops up as the best in your rankings are those the guys that tend to play well at the course if it is then you're probably somewhere along the right lines does that make sense yeah it makes a ton of sense i mean one of the interesting and i guess polarizing things with golf in general is there are so many statistics there's so much data out there uh and that's great it's definitely useful it's definitely what you want to do but if you're just blindly applying it you're going to be looking at things that are just not correlated i can almost guarantee it and some of these stats are noisy in the sense that they don't tell the whole story it's 
it's one of the few sports when you really think about it, like they don't play at the same. It's like in football, all the fields are the same, but in golf, uh, depending on where guys play, they don't play every event. It's going to look a lot different because some of these courses really put a strain on one part of your game. And another guy who's in the field, he didn't even play that event. So his stats aren't going to line up exactly. So just keep those little things in mind when you're, when you're trying to construct lineups. And it based on the field strength sometimes too, like Martin Laird really pops and strokes gained approach. He hasn't played in a significant field against really good players in ages. Whereas Dustin Johnson exclusively plays against the best players in the world. The fact that Dustin could come out number one in something like strokes gained approach versus Martin Laird just means he's that much better overall. Like having that sort of context and would you when we think about like analytics in sports and predictive nature, would you say that golf is more like something like football where it's less predictive than something like baseball or basketball? I'd say it's completely the opposite of basketball. That's how I always equate it because in basketball, LeBron might not play well, but he always outscores the guy who doesn't play because uh, <laughs> minutes are a factor. Now in baseball, even though Mike Trout's amazing, there are many, many times where he just goes 0 for 5 and some pinch hitter hits a home run. And that's kind of like golf because there's a cut and there will be tournaments this year where DJ gets cut and someone we've never heard of makes that cut. So it, it has that concept to it. Well, nothing more pronounced than Michael Thompson winning the 3M and every good yeah. player, except for Tony Finau, missing the cut that week. Including yeah, I mean, remember when... DJ shot like 80 in many rounds, not many rounds, but like a handful of rounds in a row. Uh, that's just something you rarely see at with some other sports. And then he turns it around. It's not like there was a problem. He flips the switch back and all is right with the world. I think it's very useful in, I like it, it has very poor application at the top, I think, because if one of these guys decides that it's just their week and they're playing well, no one's going to beat them amongst the like peer group that they're in it's like even throw rory into that mix if he was here like he would be what ten thousand five hundred dollars or whatever rom is rory would basically be the exact same price if rory was the one of the six who played well that week he'd probably win just like if dustin johnson plays well or john rom plays well this week to the if they bring their 90th percentile game they're probably gonna win if everyone else brings their 80th percentile game it would take nick taylor's 3,000th percentile week to go and like kind of win this tournament now he could it would take his 100th percentile let's put it that way like he did at pebble beach last year now he can win these sorts of things it's just so unlikely with all of these other good players and they're playing somewhat well at an easier course like this but i think it does work better in that range that we were talking about that lower 6k low 7k range i think that is really where the stats can help influence you find the right people 100 and and one more point to that think one of the things that's misapplied is like when dj wins uh people label the course like a bomber's track and that's just not true uh it could be but it, it dj can win anywhere it doesn't really matter he may have preferences but when the top guys i don't if they win a course i don't start applying things whereas if someone who's really not a super well-rounded player wins an event or has consistent results in an event, I tend to take notice that that skill set has to translate because they don't have other outs. DJ can win in a million different ways. Someone who's just a, a driver specialist cannot. Last thing that we didn't talk about, the wind at this tournament, mm. not the uh, team that Bobby Hill played on in King of the Hill, the wind. No hands! But last year, windy as fuck first two rounds that means on fantasy national that means it's above 17 miles per hour thursday this week and i threw the link to the Windfinder tower next to kapalua up in my column on dk playbook this week so you can go check that out but it looks like it's going to be super windy on thursday and it really kind of squashed scoring last year like we've seen speeds get to minus 30 here justin thomas got into a three-way playoff at minus 14 a year ago I, I think that win stats are strangely the noisiest of all stats because not only are you taking things completely out of context in terms of like what course people are playing, like wind will affect courses in completely different ways. Some are like, if you have like a British Open style course, those courses are designed to be massively affected by the wind. That is their defense. If you're at some sort of tree line course, it might not matter at all. So you have to kind of wait that. But if I just go look at it right now, the best players in the wind... 
and that is over 17 miles per hour over the past 50 rounds on the PGA Tour. And most of these guys do not have 50 rounds. It's like 20 or 36. So over 17 miles per hour. And we'll go with strokes gain T to green just to kind of sort this out. Dustin, Ryan Palmer, Adam Scott, Daniel Berger, Justin Thomas would be your top five players. Yeah, see, like to me, the person there that I care the most about is Ryan Palmer because JT, DJ, those guys can handle anything. But Ryan Palmer, I mean, he's a Texas guy, so I kind of get it. But it's good to know that if I'm going to take a flyer, they can at least handle what could be a problem. The other two like randos that would appear in that, like Neiman is a really good win player. That's why I bet him to win the British Open. Uh, I'm doing a future show that comes out on Thursday. It's already recorded. I, I bet you know, 150 to win the Open Championship for Joaquin Neiman. I thought that was like super high. Where is it? Not that that really, but it's at uh, Royal St. George where Darren Clark won in 2011 over DJ. I vaguely remember that, but okay. Yeah. I mean, that's listen, by the time we get there, those odds could easily be cut in half. Well, that's, do you have any guys like that? Because that's what we wanted to kind of point out on the future show. Like there's no, because Cust, Cust is also on the show. He's like, I think that Justin Thomas 10 to one to win the masters is good value. And he might be right. I like, I think that, Justin Thomas was my pick to win the Masters, but he's going to be at worst, what, 9-1 to by the time we get there? Like, what's the point of betting at 10-1 to in January? Yeah, I mean, listen, obviously when you're talking about those guys, even if they play good or bad, their odds aren't going to deviate as much. It's more the unknowns. To me, like Hovland could make some big leaps. Uh, How, you'd, be, if, you'd be shocked at how highly priced Hovland is in these fields versus like a Neiman. Like in tie and meaning bad, like he's like 25 to one to he's, win these he's things. He's like 30, 35 to one. Yeah, that's see, that's what I'm talking about. That's obviously ridiculous, but there are guys that are, are sitting triple digits that you can go to that all it takes is, and it, it's tough because, you know, if they win an event before that, their odds will plummet. And I, it's obviously a good sign, but it's not, it also doesn't mean that they're just going to win the major, but all you really want to do is obviously have prices that are long gone by the time we get there. Yeah. So the three guys that I identified as those at three separate tournaments, one was Bobby Mack, Robert McIntyre at the PGA championship at Kiowa Island. He's 150 to one. I think he'll be like 60 by the time that rolls around. Ryan Palmer, 250 to one to win at Torrey Pines. He'll end up being like 100 to one by the time that comes around, if things go right, obviously. And Neiman, uh, 150 to one to win uh, the Open Championship this year. Uh, I think that Palmer was 200 to one on DraftKings Sportsbook, but I found it 250 out there. And I took the top fives with all of those to go along with it. Did you make any bets this week? Because so far I've only bet... Adam Scott and Mark Leishman. I, I got to figure out what I'm doing at the top because I think I'm going to either go with I'm either going to go with JT at like nine to one, or I'm going to go with some mix of like Webb, Morikawa, and Berger or something. So I bet Leishman as well. Um, I think I got him at like I want to say sixty something, but I, I, got, I don't even remember. I got him at eighty. Eighty, yeah, that that'll play. I did bet Nah top ten at five and a half to one. That's not um, bad, actually. No, no. I, I like I said, only forty guys. I can get down with that. That's about all I did. I may look for a matchup or two, and I want to look. God, I wonder. I, I know it's a different show, and what was like EVR? Do you remember in terms of like where he fell with some of those? Is yeah, he more towards Neiman or more towards Hovland? He, oh, he was nowhere near. Um, let me try to find it. Because uh, I'm on the century. He's a guy that he he came up as a part of the discussion as one of these long shot guys. I think it was at the Open Championship. It was him or Fratelli that we were talking about. I can't remember now. Yeah, EVR to win the Open Championship is also uh, 150 to one. Yeah, like he's like, I like that. He's priced down there, but I think like the U.S. Open, he's like 80 to one or something. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if I can find him in certain spots, I may go there. And we came to the conclusion that he's just European Luke List, although he's not even European. Oh, <laughs> yeah, no, he, he's certainly not European, and he looks like Kevin Tway, so he's got a lot of things uh, that could be problematic. Well, I mean, Cust made two pretty ridiculous statements on the show, although one was pretty oh good, God. that if, if you always want to take EVR whenever it's rainy out because he has those high pants, that his, his pants will not be soaked. He's already prepared to play in okay. the rain at all times. But then he said the, uh, the Olympics is a very prestigious tournament, like akin to the Masters, which we just laughed at. Yeah, no, that I forgot about the, uh, the Olympics. Hmm. Any of these first round leader losers you'd go to? I remember Ked, speaking of Kevin Tway, he was first round leader here two years ago, I think. He used to be 
Kepka is a better player than that. May have been his last good round ever. Yeah, no, he he got space jammed somewhere. <laughs> um, what about like Scheffler, first round leader? I tend to go longer. Like Scheffler's thirty to one to be first round leader. I don't love that. Like Neiman might do it more for me at thirty. It's funny to see those guys ahead of Sungjae in the betting odds. That really, it doesn't blow my mind. I get it, but it feels like Sungjae is just a better player. I, he is, but there's like two metrics, and I get it. Like in terms of Sungjae, to me is was going to beat those guys much more often than they will beat him. But when they do beat him, their upside uh, to me is a little greater. I, I guess that makes a lot of sense. Like if they played ten events against each other, Sungjae would probably win seven of them. Seven. But the three that he would lose, those guys might actually crush him by more aggregate strokes. Maybe we'll go Nah first round leader. I mean, if he's going to come inside the top ten, he needs to have a good round somewhere, yeah. right? Or Landry. I mean, he only might play. He might only play one round, so we might as well get our exposure to him <laughs> in, on uh, Thursday. All right, what do you guys got going on over at Osmo to kick off golf? You got boy, you still got college football, you got college basketball, you got NFL. You guys are covering it all. We got it all. NBA in full swing. The team is ready. And yeah, we, we've got some things. We've got a, a New Year's promo. So you can get in for a couple weeks for only $20. You go sign up promo code 2021. And obviously, me and Fantasy Golf, man, me and Jason Roslin, everyone, uh, we're really excited to be back in it. It's going to be, uh, maybe it will be a good year, Pat. We're going we're gonna to take one down. I'm going to win the PME League. That is my only goal. The listeners league. I have to get close. I've never even been remotely close to winning that thing. I, I almost won the football one this year in like week eleven. I came fourth or fifth or something like that. Fucking Jordan Howard killed me. What am I doing playing Jordan Howard? He was four K. What can I do? Uh, I've made some decent yeah. runs in golf in the past. I this is the week if you're ever gonna win it. There's only fifteen hundred people in it. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, I gotta make sure I get my uh my spots because this is the week. I'm going to take that down. It's going to be the catalyst for a big 2021. I mean, you're also a guy who's won six figures at the Masters before. So, I mean. Yeah, that's what we'll, Rory. Rory at the Masters will be my redemption tour this year. But Justin Thomas is going to win. I already said that. <laughs> it's going to be probably Rom and I. Oh, man. It's going to be, it's going to be a very interesting year if someone can take the mantle there's so many guys that kind of rotating this top number one ranking i wonder if one guy can kind of inch above from the from the pack it's funny when you go back and look at the world golf rankings over the past three years and i try to preach this at the beginning of every year uh, and then everyone always like kind of laughs me off with it but like the guys that are inside the top 10 right now are not going to be the top 10 guys at the end of the year they're just not so try to find like two or three guys and ride them if you think they're going to have good years just ride the guys and like who are 26th in the world or 19th in the world or 31st that you think that can make the leap because they're going to be like eighth by the end of the year Oh, no doubt. And especially now with these guys that come, it used to be, at least in my mind, it would take a little, but like Wolf, Hovland, more like you, you get on tour and immediately you start climbing. So these guys, the sky's the limit. It, they could easily overtake some of the, you know, the veterans out there, I guess you could call them. And yeah, absolutely. Guys will be moving up that leaderboard fast and furiously for the rankings. Like think about how much Hatton moved up in the last year. Yeah, I mean, he's or, or Fleetwood the year takes before that. One, I mean, especially nowadays, I feel like guys are not that they can control this, but I feel like guys are starting to realize, like they'll they'll take more miscuts for a couple wins. Um, it's really all about the upside, and they're it seems like they're embracing that more and more. Where consistency not not as rewarded as I think it once was. No, I suppose that's okay. Although then you get like the Tigers of the world, where you're just consistent well. and great. <laughs> Yeah, if you can do that, but I, I think most guys would rather, you know, it, it give me two or three chances to win, and I'll take a bunch more missed cuts than just, like, making the cut on the number 80% of the time. All right, they'll do it. Pat Mayo Experience. Playing the Pat Mayo Experience Listeners League. Do you think we should keep it? Because it, it's going to get back up to 5,000 people per week, uh, probably by the time waste management comes around. Do you think I should intentionally keep it smaller? just so it gives people like more of it, like it becomes more exclusive to try to get into it. And it gives people like, once you get up to like 5,000 people, like it becomes extremely hard to win. Yes. There's going to be like, you know, close to a hundred thousand dollars in the prize pool. But at the same time, like, would it be more fun if it had fewer people in it? I think there's a sweet spot. Like I'd rather have 3,000 than 10,000. I'll say that. Yeah. But would um, you rather have 3,000 than 5,000? 
that's pretty close to me. Uh, I, I don't think there's a negligible. I, I like some upside in it. I mean, I need, unless it's a head to head, I'm not going to be winning this thing, but I, I it, it's nice when you, when you, I always like to look like if I have a guy that's 5% owned, um, it's nice to know that there's not that many people that have them when you get to a reasonable number, obviously in these huge tournaments, it's like, Oh, he's 5% owned. That means like 6,000 people have him. Um, that's not that useful. Ben Rossi, you can follow him on Twitter at JazzRazDFS, and he might be giving away a one-and-done ticket uh, into the Fantasy Golf Championships, fantasygolfchampionships.com. Get your spot now before it fills. So hopefully you do give it away before it's completely full. Yeah, that will be uh, that will be peak me. I'll, I'll give it away, and it, it won't hold any value. Now, stay tuned. We will obviously have a lot coming out on the golf front over at Osimo, so I'm really excited to dive in for what's going to be a long, long season. All right. I will release my full betting card on Wednesday. You can find that on the Twitter box at the PME. If you like football, we got spread picks tomorrow. We got DraftKings picks the next day. We got major previews coming up, plus those golf drafts and the golf betting show for the Tournament of Champions already released. Please go check all of it out. Play in the one and done. Play in the listers. League and become a member at FantasyNational.com today. FantasyNational.com slash Mayo will get you that 20% discount. Give your fucking head a shake and go buy it, all right? Thanks. You can check out my cheat sheet on DKPlaybook.com on Wednesday and my pivots column up on FTNDaily.com on Wednesday as well. Thank you all for watching. I'm Pat Mayo. Smash the like. I'll see you next time. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.